All right. Okay. Yeah, so I finally got the package sent out to you. So you have our cards coming Excellent. to you. Excellent. It should be there like on the 30th or something. Cool. Like that. Like that for me. The USPS's like charging system is so funny to me. They're like, if you want it there, guaranteed in two days, it'll be $30. If you want it there, probably in two days, it'll be <laughs> If you want it there sometime in the next week, it'll be (laughs) $11.50. Like, what? No, I will pay the the 50 more cents to get it there in In two days. In probably two days. (laughs) I was just like, this is astounding. Who is just like, no, I want that 50 cents. They can get it when they get it. Um, I was just playing my time at Portia, Portia, Portia. Uh-huh. And I say it that way because the voice actors all say it differently in the game. <laughs> the voice acting in that game leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I just couldn't get into it. It was a little too... I, I don't like the... It felt like there was too much sitting around and waiting for like things to be done being made. And it's like, I don't mind that to some degree, but it didn't feel like there was enough going oh, on around me to like make up for that time that you're waiting i've been real busy and i just got done with the big boss fight uh-huh. and as i'm going i'm running down the street to defeat the boss and the rogue knight and martha who runs the bakery is just like i'm there fighting a fucking robot in the middle of the street and she just walks past casually and then the <laughs> robot like swings at her and she turns around and starts bitch slapping this robot <laughs> And I was like, damn, Martha, get it. Yeah, um, I was watching uh, one of the YouTubers that we follow every once in a while. He mainly does um, Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. um, but he will occasionally do like new games that he's trying out and stuff, like mostly like kind of cozy comfort, comfort games. Mm-hmm. Um, but he started playing this game, like it's called like Isle of Lynn or something that just came out. Mm hmm. And that one looked pretty interesting. It looked like it took a lot of the aspects of, like, kind of like my time in Portia and then um, the crafting and design capabilities of, like, the forest. Not familiar. um, It's a survival horror game that's got, like, this Ah. insane crafting system. Got it. And, um, yeah, it just looks like one part, like, Stardew, one part, like, combat game, one part sims i think that's uh, what i like about portia is that there is combat and i get to go kill things and also mm -hmm. go like cave diving and yeah that's why i'm looking at that isle of lynn or whatever i'll have to send you the link but the uh the cave exploration system looks really cool and the monsters are super creepy which is cool um but anyway (laughs) yeah we play games here yeah we did it's called escapism kinda yeah we talked about it for a long time after we stopped (laughs) (laughs) i'm thinking about doing it again it's just really hard with my schedule yeah i keep going back and well i think that it would be a good thing for you to do though with your schedule too like give you something to do at night yeah it's it's Um, having a schedule and sharing the room like so yeah you know if i want to do something and aj has work or wants to sleep it's like you know it's just that's just hard yeah um Elise and I are actually uh, exploring a second podcast, so we'll see see how that goes. 
Okay. Better not come between us. <laughs> it won't. Anyway, um, welcome to The Strange and Unusual, where we discuss The Strange and Unusual. This is episode 93 of our series, Seeking Out the Weird, the Unexplained, and the Devious from Around the World. I'm Roya. And I'm Casey. And as we are in November, technically we are recording this in November, this is Native American Heritage Month or American Indian and Alaska Na- Alaskan Native Heritage Month. And we know that this is coming out in December, don't add us, but we just wanted to cover a little bit more of the stories and difficulties facing our indigenous brothers and sisters in North America. And we should be talking about this all the time anyway. So We should. For sure. Fuck you, November. (laughs) This is December, bitch. So if you would like to give us a follow, we are on all social media platforms or all main social media platforms um, at the strange and unusual underscore strange and unusual. All the information will be more detailed at the end of the episode as well as in the show notes. If you do want to give us a follow, we'd really appreciate it. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash strange unusual. Um, for some bonus content, sometimes early episodes when Roy is able to get them out early, and um, access to our Discord that is pretty fun from time to time. We definitely talked be more about fun herself more in the people. third person. Huh? I said Roya just talked about herself in the third person. Eh, whatever. I have to do it every time I write a the show notes, so it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I set up that precedent for myself. There you go. All right. Ooh. So I am. Roya is talking about today. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about more of the current events and current difficulties facing the women, children, women, girls, and two spirited individuals, um, and how there is a uh, a really high rate of them going missing or being murdered, and no one's really talking about it. So I mean, we're people- talking about it. Yeah, people are starting to talk about it now, but after doing just this series of cases, um, this has been a problem that Canada, for example, has been aware of well into the 1960s, and we're just talking about it now in, in 2019 to 2021, that it's becoming like a common point of conversation in true crime podcasts. Well, shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we're talking about it now, but like. Where the hell were, where was everybody in the 60s? Yeah, I mean, the 60s is, scoop. Yeah, this is not new. Yeah. Um, so, guys, I'm starting out with a section of really bummer statistics. Um, also, wee-woos, because I'm not going to forget this time. Um, so, wee-woos for murder, sexual assault, physical abuse, stalking, lack of police or government intervention or assistance, people being less dead, child murder, and child abuse. Don't you just um, fucking hate the the one about the the lack of intervention or whatever? That always really fucking gets my goat. The thing that ugh, we'll get to the end of this, and you your anger will be at an all time high. Fantastic! I don't want to ruin anything. This might be another one of like Casey peeks out her uh, audio because she yells so loud. I've just got a clip constantly. <laughs> Um, so this list of statistics that I found was on the main um, missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two Spirit website, um, and it's a common statistic amongst most Indigenous networking websites working against this trend of uh, Indigenous women and girls being missing or murdered. 
So indigenous women, girls, and two spirits are murdered at a 10 times higher rate than all other ethnicities. Damn. Murder is the third leading cause of death in indigenous women, according to the Center of Disease Control. Mm. More than four out of five indigenous women have experienced violence at 84.3%. More than half of indigenous women have experienced sexual violence at 56.1%. More than half of indigenous women have been physically abused by their intimate partners at 55.5%. Less than half of indigenous women have been stalked in their lifetime at 48.8%. Yikes. Indigenous women are 1.7 times more likely than Anglo-Saxon women to experience violence. Indigenous women are two times more likely to be raped than Anglo-American white women. The murder rate among indigenous women is three times higher than Anglo-American women. So today, with all those cheerful statistics out of the way, I'm going to be talking about a very scary stretch of highway in Canada that has been coined the Highway of Tears. Oh, no, I don't like that. (laughs) Also, I think that it's important to state that there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of cases of missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, and two spirits. If you have any information on these, I'll leave the resources I'm able to find in the show notes. You can also reach out to your local police department or your local um, native groups, and they can reach out to the appropriate tribes to uh, get this information addressed and processed through the systems. There's tons of websites. There are tons of places and people that you can take this information to. It's imperative to find help find these women and girls and give not only their families a sense of peace, but also them a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. Because in some of these cultures, it's very important for a proper burial. It's very important to be proper buried the proper way or have the remains handled a specific way. Um, Like a lot of cultures that have similar um, burial rites and rituals. So um, the highway of tears is a 450 mile stretch of highway of, stretch of Highway 16 between Prince George and Prince Rupert, British Columbia, Canada. This area has been the site of numerous missing and murdered Indigenous women, and women in general, not just Indigenous, but predominantly Indigenous. The trend was first noticed in 1970, and the term was first coined in 1998 by Florence Nasal, who was thinking of the victims' families crying over to their loved ones, and the similarities experienced of the trauma between the Trail of Tears and the Highway of Tears. Um, Not all victims, like I said, are indigenous women, but the amount of indigenous women is too high to ignore. So there's a lot of murders over a very long period of time with very limited luck in finding who committed these crimes. Why? There's a lot of factors. One of the largest in particular in this area is poverty. Mm. This stretch of highway is fairly isolated and remote, And there's no easily accessible public transit, which means people will often hitchhike if they don't have a car or just walk if the distance is short enough. You're less likely to have a car, um, especially a car reliable for long distances, if you're in extreme poverty. Yeah. The Canadian Royal Mounted Police Task Force for these cases is called EPANA or PANA, maybe. Um, And they only recognize about 18 cases or less of missing and murdered along the Highway of Tears. What? Indigenous organizations who are also monitoring this area report 40 plus, in addition to the 18 recognized cases by Epana. Damn. This list is extensive. Um, I'm going over every victim that I could find 
that's associated with Highway 16. And as a result of that, I'm not getting into a ton of their backstory or personal life. Um, This is mainly just to make people sit and listen to how many names I'm about to list off and what happened to them, as well as to provide any details that I can for people who are missing that maybe you remember a story of someone in your family saying, oh yeah, I remember that girl, I saw her, and it's a family story. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. your uncle saying something weird and offhanded that you didn't really consider when you were a kid, but now that you're an adult, you're like, wait a second, that's not cool. Like, you don't even joke about that. Why would you just comment that casually? These kinds of things are what's going to help with a lot of these cases. So where they came from isn't as important as finding them or at least knowing what happened so that the families can have some peace and closure. Right. I told you guys, this episode is a bummer. Please take into consideration the uh, systematic abuse that indigenous people have endured for centuries while you guys Mm -hmm. enjoy your turkey and stuffing every Thanksgiving. Yep. All right. So we're starting uh, Tracy Clifton missing sometime between 1970 and 1979. The exact date was never made public knowledge for some reason, Uh, which, you know, 10 years, no big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Um, She was reported missing somewhere in the 1970s for missing and murdered indigenous women she had an argument with her mother and left home walking on highway 16 and she was just never seen again yikes um helen claire frost who is missing she was 17 when she left her home on october 13th 1970 and was never seen again she was living with her sister sandy who did not report her missing until october 15th thinking that it was very plausible she was just staying with a friend um Mm. police took the missing person's report but sandy said that she got the impression that nothing was ever done or investigated into her sister's disappearance i fucking hate this we're just starting and i'm like (laughs) fucking cops jean virginia jean virginia jenny sampire uh missing 18 year old jenny went missing on october 14th 1971 her cousin alvin was the last person to see her near a bridge on highway 16 He had left her to go back home and get his jacket, and on his way back to meet her, he heard a pickup door slam, and when he got to where she had been, there was no truck, and worse, no Jenny. Mm. Um, Monica Ignis, homicide. Monica was 14 years old when she was believed to have been going home from school when she was last seen on October, er, sorry, December 13th, 1974. Her body was found in a gravel pit on April 6th, 1975. Two witnesses reported seeing a car pulled over on the side of the road the night she vanished and said they saw a man and a passenger and who looked like a person who looked like a girl on the inside. Uh, Monica had been strangled to death. Corrine Thomas, homicide. The 21-year-old woman was pregnant and just days from giving birth when she was struck and killed by Richard Richard Redcop's truck when she was hitchhiking home on July 3rd, 1976. Both the mother and child died and there were no attempts to save the baby. Corrine was an indigenous woman, and Red Cop was a white man. Numerous witness reports see stated seeing Red Cop swerve intentionally to hit Corrine. However, the witnesses were all under the age of 16 and were taken into custody, where after three hours of unsupervised interrogations, they were coerced into saying that Corrine was playing trick chicken with Red Cop's truck. Coroner Eric Turner was satisfied that the death had happened by accident, 
but later would retract his testimony after he was let off with a lesser charge of a drunken hit-and-run death of an indigenous man 10 years like 10 years earlier wow eric turner also presided over an inquest two years before kareen's murder of a man named larry thomas who was killed by a vehicle operated by stanley Redcop, who was richard's younger brother on the same stretch of road where kareen was killed during the formal inquiry, witnesses confirmed that Stanley swerved to hit Larry. Despite the inquiry, the Crown did not proceed with charges for some reason. Yeah. Mm. Um. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you feel good, guys? Don't you want to keep listening to the rest of this episode? Yeah, we're only like seven or eight into this so far out of, what, 40-something? I think, yeah. Um, Mary Jane Hill, Homicide. 31-year-old Mary Jane was found nude on Highway 16, and her cause of death was determined to be bronchitis and bronchial pneumonia as a result of manslaughter. So basically, she was just left out to freeze to death. Okay. Uh, Jean Mary Kovacs, homicide. 36-year-old Jean Kovacs' body was found in a watery ditch on October 11th, 1981. She was shot in the head with a 22 caliber gun. The autopsy would show that she had actually been shot in the head four times. Jesus. She was last seen alive on October 10th, 1981. She was found by a man gathering firewood near the lake. Um, Serial killer Edward Dennis Isaac was actually charged with her death in February 1988. Wow. So we're going to go through a few that are uh, serial killer victims. And some of the victims do have a definitive person who killed them who got you know arrested and everything for the crime but a lot of them don't um so roswilla roswitha fuchsbichler bitch yeah bitchler i'm going with that um homicide on november 14th 1981 roswitha was reported missing she last talked to a friend at 2 a.m. that morning, and her body was found in a wooded area on November 21st, 1981. Her body had been stripped naked, mangled, mutilated, and dumped. Her cause of death was a single single stab wound to the heart. Wow. She was murdered by er- uh, Edward Dennis Isaac, who was convicted for manslaughter for some reason, after claiming that he had picked her up while hitchhiking and killed her to, quote, See what it felt like. Manslaughter. Oh, yeah, that sounds like manslaughter. That sounds like manslaughter. I know manslaughter. I, j- and- I just want to know how it feels to kill a person. You're going for manslaughter. <laughs> he was sentenced on May 11th, 1987 to life in prison with no chance of parole for 15 years. Mm. He only killed three people that we know of. Or at least three that people we- on the stretch of highway. I might actually look into him and maybe do an episode to get more in depth about this. But Well, um, I hate him. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's a serial killer. He's the worst. Nina Marie Joseph, homicide. The nude body of 15-year-old Nina was found on August 16th, 1982. She had been stabbed and slashed, and a cord from her jacket had been wrapped around her neck. She was also a victim of serial killer Edward Douglas Isaac, and he was convicted again of manslaughter in her death in June of 1986. (sighs) What is wrong with the court system? In Canada. In Canada, in the 80s. I don't know, man. You guess I want an answer. Canadians, let me know. I need to hear this. I need to understand. Need, well, because they do understand. They do some stuff that I'm like, yeah, 100%. That makes total sense. Like having But closed- the things that I'm thinking of are all more recent. Yeah, but I mean, like, even when you're talking, some of these things, when we, when we get more recent, are 
we don't have all the information because the court system is closed in Canada, which I mm-hmm. like. I prefer a closed court system. Once everyone, you know, you've got your guy and you've got the trial going and everything, it makes it less likely that you're going to have a mistrial situation a mistrial, like, if it's we, closed. Yeah. Um, and I, they do a lot to protect um, child victims and stuff like that um, in, when they are in court and um, how they handle talking about the child victims and the protections of them during the proceedings and then after, like later in life, they do a lot to try to help them kind of um, lead a normal life, change their name, do whatever they need to, like to to start again, um, which I do really appreciate. But, you know, then they also did Carla Homolka. So, you know, yeah, you win and you lose. The, the deal with the devil, right? Yeah. I mean, that one was all just shitty. The lawyer knew what was going on. They all knew what was going on. They just didn't tell the court. So it's not exactly the court's fault. It's the court's Mm. fault for not thinking she could be involved. Right. Anyway, that's a whole different episode. Like episode three or something. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's episode two or three. Yeah, I think it's two because we did the US and then Canada and then Japan, I think. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Doreen Jack, who is missing, um, the family left their home in Prince George because they had been offered jobs and daycare at a logging camp. Ronald, Doreen, and their two children, Russell, who is nine, and Ryan, who is four, were last heard from in the morning of August 2nd, 1989, when Ronald called his mother to basically just let her know where they were and how the trip had been going so far. Um, Alberta Gail Williams, Homicide. Uh, 24-year-old Alberta went missing in the early morning hours of August 26th, 1989, after leaving a pub near closing time. Her body was found on September 25th, 1989. She had been strangled and sexually assaulted. On September 12th, basically, Alberta's entire outfit she had been last seen in was found in a bush. Um, But those are definitely not an important and aren't connected to a missing person so why not just have them destroyed despite them being covered in blood oh what yep i'm sorry the police just found a bunch of bu- bloody clothes and were like alberta hadn't been reported missing yet so they didn't know that she um they didn't know they she are, wasn't wearing her clothes and they are know bloody what clothes yeah burn them mop it up i want to find these people <laughs> It's not like her body had been found yet, and it's totally normal for someone to get covered in blood, strip off all their clothes, and leave them in a bush. Uh, Why take that seriously? It happens all the time. All the time. Every other day, I'm finding an entire outfit of bloody clothes in my bush outside. Every day. It's crazy. It's a real epidemic. what you find in your bush. (laughs) (laughs) Cecilia and... You just looked at me. Cecilia uh, yeah, Ann. I made a bush joke. Deal with it. We're having a bad day over here. <laughs> Cecilia Ann Nickel, missing. 15-year-old Cecilia was last seen on October 1989. The reports of her last known location vary, but she was last reported near Highway 16. Her co- Also, her cousin Delphine went missing, and then a few years later, Roberta Cecilia Nickel, another cousin of Cecilia, was also murdered. Wow, that poor fucking family. Yeah. So just for uh, reference, I'm going in chronological order. So some of these cases are connected, but they don't happen immediately after one another. 
So mm-hmm. you'll have references to Cecilia in, you know, a couple of cases from now um, when her okay. cousin goes missing. Gotcha. Um, Marnie Blanchard, homicide on October, or sorry, on November 22nd, 1989, 18-year-old Marnie was seen leaving a cabaret at 2 a.m. Sounds like a pretty good night. Yeah. She was entering a gray, I said entering a gay, entering a gay Toyota pickup. A gay pickup? (laughs) She was last seen entering a gray Toyota pickup truck with a white canopy outside the venue. Her remains were discovered by cross-country skiers on December 11th, 1989. A 30-year-old serial killer, Brian Peter Arp, was arrested on July 26th, 1990 in relation to Marnie's murder. He would be convicted on both murders, so I guess there's another one coming up for him. Uh, He was convicted for both murders eventually once DNA technology improved. Why do all of the Canadian serial killers have three names? I don't know. It, it's something like I when I was going through everything, it seems like the Canadian cases and stuff, I don't know, are like middle names more important in Canada because it seemed like almost all of them had first middle last name listed and I just huh. like left it out on a lot of them if it doesn't if it didn't sound like something like you would say together. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. first and middle name that kind of sound like they're one name versus two um so kimberly dumas helga rockin sherry rockin and pauline rockin homicide on october or on february i don't know why i want to put everything on october on february 5th 1990 fire crews were called to 153 third avenue and prince rupert the building was engulfed by in flames by the time they arrived helga was the grandmother of infant kimberly and she was hosting her two daughters and her granddaughter for an overnight visit. And oh, this, I hate this wasn't the first time that the building was deliberately set on fire either. Um, there was also an intentional fire set on October 31st, 1989. So it's kind of hard to tell definitively Why? if, you know, like, this is a grandma. Like, who can she really have problems with that, right. like, would get her house set on fire twice? Yikes. Um, I mean, October 31st, I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not saying like give it a pass or whatever, but I'm like, it is at least Halloween. Like something could have just gotten out of hand and it was accidental, but like a secondary fire definitely makes it deliberate Yeah, <laughs> that they're targeting this house for some reason. Mm. Um, so Delphine Nickel missing, as I mentioned before, the cousin of Cecilia Nickel, Mm-hmm. Um, 15-year-old Delphine went missing on Ju- uh, June 13th, 1990. She was last seen hitchhiking along Highway 16 on her way home. At around 10 p.m., Delphine called her uncle to let him know that she was on her way home and she was last seen by two of her friends on the highway. <sighs> yep, that's how I feel too. Donna Mae Charlie, homicide. 22-year-old Donna was reported missing on September 1990. She and her boyfriend, Jerry Samoslet, were having a bit of a binge on cannabis, mushrooms, and alcohol. They checked into a motel shortly before the time of Donna's death. The motel owner testified that the room was in shambles and there was blood all over the walls. Oh, wow. On April 17th, 1991, a headless body was found buried in a shallow grave near the motel. On May, in May of 1991... Uh, 30-year-old Jerry Samoset was charged with murder. You don't he, say. He claimed that he found her behind the motel looking very blue. Like, literally blue. 
two witnesses testified that he told them he mutilated Charlie while she was still alive. Oh, God. Um, defense lawyer Larry Walker said Samoset had a good upbringing and was a good candidate for rehabilitation. Firstly, no. <laughs> Secondly, I'm very sorry for that very white woman response that I just had when I went, oh, God. <laughs> I, I immediately heard it and I went, who am I? <laughs> unfortunately a white woman unfortunately but what like i'm all about rehabilitation and like not having uh a prison prison system like the one that we have there is a difference but, between someone committing a non-violent crime and getting life in prison and, and someone bragging decapitating their girlfriend while she was yeah. alive yeah yeah <laughs> these are different. two different extremes this <laughs> is different I'm not saying that he would 100% ever commit a violent crime again, but I'm saying that he did something real violent, and I don't know that you can guarantee, you know, like, I don't know that there's an amount of rehabilitation that can make you better after you do something like that. Right. I would be interested to know the actual scientific, like, psychological background of that question, to be honest. Well, I would just, you know, like the the impact on decapitating a person alone. Yeah. Like that would send any like normal person straight to a therapist, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, I would fucking hope so. <laughs> but like, how do you recover from that? Or even right. having seen that like in person or something like in a terrible accident or, you know? Yep. Ugh. Um. In May of 1995, he pled guilty to manslaughter and served a whopping additional year to the 38 months he had already served. Oh, fucking hell. Okay. In 2001, he was arrested again for committing violence against a woman in a hotel room and was sentenced as a dangerous offender, which in Canada basically means forever. Well, it only took a second time. Yeah. Well, that was like that, um, what was it? Uh, Mary, I can't remember her last name was a Patreon episode, and they, like, let the guy go because he didn't actually murder her. He just cut her fucking arms off. Cut her arms off, yeah. I remember her. And then, you know, he got arrested again for actually murdering someone. She was a bad bitch. She was. Super bad. She is. Oh, she yeah, she is. She's still alive. Yeah. Because she's a bad bitch. (laughs) Um, Maureen Sullivan, Homicide. In January of 1992, Maureen was shot by her husband, Wayne. Wayne was drunk and enraged that Maureen refused to enter a threesome with him and her friend Sandy. He shot Maureen in the head with his handgun and then assaulted Sandy, which makes me think that Sandy was definitely not on board with this threesome either. Oh, God. Um, He was convicted of his wife's murder, but was released on March 19th, 1999, upon an appeal of, quote, not being criminally responsible because of a mental disorder. The appeal was defended by an expert witness testimony that stated Wayne didn't know what he was doing while drunk. He was later given an absolute discharge. I'm so sorry. What? Yeah, that's like, I got drunk and got behind a wheel. Like, oh, I was so drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing was wrong. And I killed a family of four. Whoops. Like, no. I've literally... I'm not a big drinker. I've literally never been so drunk in my life that I could not be held responsible for my actions. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I've been, I've been pretty drunk. I, I mean, I come from a family of alcoholics, so I know that, that, you know, that is a thing that people can do, but, well, and that, and, you know, that is an issue, 
within indigenous culture because i mean that it's a stereotype but it's an issue yeah like alcoholism so i mean there is that but i don't think that that negates you from responsibility in fucking killing a person yeah like even if you wanted to say manslaughter like he still yeah. killed a person he's still responsible for that death but he wasn't a serial killer and we only we only charge serial killers with manslaughter yeah God um damn Teresa Humphrey or Teresa Humphrey homicide. Therese was born. Uh, sorry, Therese was last seen drunk oh. outside of a convenience store on February fourteenth, nineteen ninety three. Some men reported giving her a ride home, but she couldn't remember where she lived, so they drove her back to the convenience store and left her. See, that's a normal drunk. Like I don't know, you take a left and then a right and then like I don't know, you know, yeah. like that's. That's a kind of normal drunk experience, I think. Um, but unfortunately, her nude and partially frozen body was found the same day. The Ugh. forensic pathologist reported that her cause of death was manual strangulation and then strangulation with a ligature. Serial killer Brian Peter Arp was arrested October 14th, 1993, and later convicted of the murder of Therese, as well as Marnie Blanchard, who I mentioned earlier. Yes. He applied for an appeal in 1998, but was unequivocally denied. Oh, fuck. Thank God. Uh, Ramona Lisa Wilson, homicide. Ramona was hitchhiking to attend a dance and to stay with friends on June 1st, 1994. She was only 16 years old when her remains were found in April 1995 near the airport. Several mm. items were in a small pile a few feet away from her, which included a half-buried small section of rope, three interlocking nylon ties, and a small pink water pistol. That's weird. Yeah. Any makes... explanation for that? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I think that it makes, like, so the rope was probably what they strangled her with the three interlocking nylon ties were probably what they held her hands restrained her with right and then the small pink water pistol i wonder if they didn't fake that that was a real gun like in their pocket oh okay yeah to like get her to comply yeah um so roxanne theria homicide 15 year old roxanne went missing on the long july weekend in 1994 um i don't know how to phrase this the wikipedia said that she was a sex worker she was not she was 15 years old i don't know if she was doing it by her own decision or if she was being oh. coerced into doing it by some an adult i don't have any details in that um but uh, you know i don't think that most 15 year olds would decide to go and do that yeah that's not a choice she made for herself yeah um there's another one like that coming up too and you know it's a brief segue there are no um underage sex workers there are child prostitutes mm -hmm. there are no underage brides they are child brides they are under the age of 18 they are a child child yeah they're I... not you know you don't uh young your young woman 15 years old sex worker no no that's a child that's a child just Although I will say, slight correction to my uh, story last week, I said Pocahontas was a child. You know, she was like 16. And I was corrected by AJ because in her time, she was an adult. Yeah. So they weren't kidnapping a child. Although by our standards, standards in our yeah. historical lens, she was in fact a child. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's my little bullet point from my corrections from last time. But 
you know, still technically a child under 18, but we put that limit on child age, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously the age of an adult would be lower in a time period where, like, you're... Where you only live to 40. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously you're not an adult halfway through your life. Yeah. You know? Um. Oh, man, with the child bride thing, I've been... I've been binging funny fridays you all know this because i've been talking about it for the last three weeks uh i just watched rewatched uh her uh, warren jeff's video Uh and like the pictures of him with his 12 year old bride and oh god i'm just like uh yeah gross it is it's icky don't worry guys mormons are next week (laughs) yeah mormons are next week although he's flds which isn't the exact same but it's the same he, th- he thinks he's getting a planet, y'all. Um, so, like I was saying, so 15 years old, she was murdered, Roxantheria. Um, she walked around the corner of a building and was never seen or heard from again. Um, her body was found on August 17th, 1994. Those are always the, the like creepiest ones for me, where they just walk around a corner and that's it. Yeah. Mm. Um, Alicia Leah Germain, Homicide. She was found murdered at 15 years old on December 9th, 1994, behind an elementary school off of Highway 16. Um, She was found stabbed to death and had been a friend of Roxanne Theria. Oh, wow. Um, Sheila Faye Kinnequan and Christine Kinnequan, homicide. Sheila was found dead um, on April 5th, 1995. Along her daughter Christine, alongside the body of her daughter Christine in their apartment. Oh. Both of them had been strangled. She was estranged from her com- common law husband, John Joseph Seymour, whose body was discovered the same day under the Alex Fraser Bridge, presumably wow. where he had jumped. After killing yeah. his wife. And, yeah. Um, Lana Derrick, missing. The 19-year-old was last seen on October 1995 at a service station where the rumor was she got in a car with two unidentified men. Um, Hazel White on April 29th, 1996. Hazel was killed while staying at Bonnie Mooney's house, which is a great name. I like that name. Um, Bonnie's ex-husband, Roland Kruska, broke into the house and killed Hazel and wounded Bonnie's 12-year-old daughter. Weeks before the attack, Bonnie had gone to the police to report her ex-husband chasing her in his vehicle after an argument. The police suggested that she get a lawyer and close her case without further assistance. Thanks. Her ex attempted to set fire to Bonnie's house and shot himself in the head with his gun. He had been on probation at the time after serving 21 days in jail for choking Bonnie and beating her with a cane. And you should get a lawyer. Fucking A-cab. And- AMAB, because Mounties apparently suck too. Yeah. AMAB? I I don't know. New shirt. (laughs) He had also been convicted of manslaughter in 1979 and sexual assault in 1985. Oh, shocking. Look at my surprised face. Yeah. Which, not trying to victim blame here, but Bonnie Mooney, what were you doing with this guy? Well, I was just thinking about it. I was like, please, people, don't get in cars with people you don't know. But in this area, it's the only option. I I know, but please. I'm saying that to people now. Like, don't do not do it. Well, you're going to have some more sad stories of people doing it now. <sighs> here okay. in, in, like, the ten pages or whatever. Look, I'm just worried about you all. I understand, but I'm worried about you. I don't know you, but I am worried. 
Um, Wendy Ann Twiss Rot. Rate rat. All right. Uh, missing. Forty-seven-year-old Wendy was disappeared while shopping. Her vehicle was discovered, and she was officially reported on August eighteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. There wasn't very much momentum until Dennis Rot, her husband, was charged with second-degree murder in two thousand eight. Dennis was enticed to confess to the murder of Wendy during a quote Mr. Big sting. Um, he confessed to shooting his wife and dumping the body in a swamp. He was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder. Well, good for that, I guess. And um, just for a, que- a quick explanation for anybody out there who doesn't know what a Mr. Big Sting is that the police do, um, it's basically where you get somebody that you think is good for a crime and you get a undercover officer in to start kind of talking to them and being like oh man we think we would, you would be a really good fit for like our our crime family kind of thing you just need to you know meet with my boss mm. and then they get a police officer or sometimes one of the um video or uh true crime documentaries i watch they actually had a former like mafia boss who was out of the gig pose as an active mob boss and because he was so convincing because he had done all this right and um so they bring this person in and then mr big is like oh yeah you sound like you would be a good candidate but i don't know like we do some really bad stuff i need to know like if you're in you're in what have you done and then they start talking about like, oh yeah, well, I killed my wife and I dumped her body in the swamp and I'm kind of a big deal, you know? <laughs> and then the police all come in because the dude was an idiot. <laughs> oh man, and that makes me want to watch The Departed now. Um, so Linda Geraldine Lafranc homicide. Linda was stabbed by Christopher Alexander in her apartment December 9th, 1998. The assailant was 17 years old when he broke into Linda's home and stabbed her 83 times with a knife from her own kitchen. That sounds like they knew each other. <laughs> her seven-year-old daughter was at the home at the time, but was luckily oh, not God. physically harmed. Oh, good. He was arrested in 1999 following a Mr. Big operation where he admitted to the murder. He received a life sentence in 2002 for second-degree murder. Wh- why second? I don't. I don't know. I don't know the specifics in Canada for the difference between... Second and first. All right, Canadians, you're on call. (laughs) You're on the air. Oh, 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 you're about to be real fucking mad. Real fucking so (laughs) I'm already real fucking mad. What do you want? Okay. I already clipped. I clipped once. Okay. Let's go. Amanda Jean Simpson, homicide. On October 30th, 1999, four-year-old Amanda was taken to the hospital with massive head and abdominal injuries. She was brought to the hospital by her mother and stepfather and a man named Ronald Rory Polson. She died three days later from her injuries. Three different medical experts testified that Amanda's injuries were not at all consistent with the fall, which is what they said had happened. Dr. Margaret Colburn examined Amanda before she died and the inquest team that her head in- and told the inquest team that her head injuries were similar to what someone would have suffered from a three-story fall. In her opinion, it wasn't an accident. It- in her opinion, quote, this wasn't an accident. She was beaten to death. She's stating that Amanda had been, quote, beaten, shaken, struck, punched, kicked, stomped, and perhaps thrown, end quote. Okay, please tell me 
something comes out of this. We'll see. I don't like your face, Roya. This obviously resulted in the cause of Amanda's death being listed as homicide. Yes. Between 1991 and... I don't know what year. Probably 1999. I have between 1991 and 1991, so that's not accurate. I think it's probably between 1991 and 1999. Um, Social services had received 22 child protection complaints about Amanda's family. And only after her death was custody of her three children given to so- or her three sisters given to social services. Okay. Despite the testimony of numerous witnesses, three of them being expert witnesses, a criminal inquiry ruling the death as a homicide, there were never any charges in Amanda's death. I'm I'm speechlessly angry. <laughs> There's a worse one. one. One, my question, why do you do that and then go, now we'll take her to the hospital? Like, if you're already out to fucking kill your child, what is what is the gain? Like, take her, pay, well, I mean, you're in Canada, so I guess you're not paying, but like, make her better and then bring her home to continue that? Yeah. Is that, you? I mean, you have other children that you like, they have other children, so it's not like they, she was the only well, the thing One. is, I think that they had 22 child protection complaints that had never been really thoroughly investigated or treated seriously. So they were like, well, we're above the law, evidently, so we can just take her to the hospital and make her better, bring her home. Okay. Well, I hate that. Yeah, me too. And I hope that those people um, die in a torturous, horrible way. That's fair. I have nothing else to say. Okay, so (sighs) Monica McKay, homicide. 18-year-old Monica was last seen by friends on December 31st, 1999. She was reported missing two days later by family members when she didn't return home. Her body was discovered on the 8th of January, 2000, dumped inside a dumpster. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police stated that there were no cause, there was no reason to attach this case to the Highway of Tears cases, despite it meeting literally all the criteria. Oh, yeah. No, this is there's no reason to uh, connect this with uh, any crime at all. Actually, this yeah. isn't a crime. Uh, Constable Mike Herchuk is quoted as saying, quote, when you get the volume of kids we have missing, especially those that are turning up dead or sexually abused or kidnapped and tortured, you can't help but want to connect the dots. No shit. Uh, I do like to connect the dots when there are dots that are, you know, to there to connect. Like, if I'm at dot number four and I see dot number five, I'm going to move to dot number five. Um, No suspects have ever been charged in Monica McKay's homicide. I am so surprised. Um, Tracy Nadine Jack Wolf, um, homicide. On July 5th, 2000, Tracy was shot by her estranged husband. Witness reports stated that she was being chased across the parking lot into the dealership where he shot at her. One witness who eventually got the gun away from him reported that he stepped on Tracy's back and shot her in the head before shooting her boyfriend in the stomach. He was soon arrested. He was arrested soon after and was sentenced 25 years for first degree murder, 15 years for attempted murder, and one for contempt of court court to run concurrently. Boo. Concurrently. That means they are both served at the same time. Yes. Um... Savannah Hall homicide. Oh, this is the one that's gonna make you mad too. This is another one. I mean, all I know, all of them make you mad. Every single one of these. (laughs) Uh, Savannah Hall homicide. Savannah was three years old when she was found gurgling and gasping by her foster parents. She was 
in a leather harness that was normally used to help teach children how to walk, but the straps were tied to the crib and kept her in place. The coroner's report determined that the cause of death was homicide, but no charges were ever filed for some fucking reason, and- but- the foster care parents were taken off of the foster care list. So I guess that's good. I mean, they should be, you know, in prison or something. Yeah. Uh, the hu- the husband attempted to sue the government for, quote, loss of profits. Because, you know, you should foster kids for profit and then kill them. I mean, most people do. And then kill them. Yeah. So I mean, not them. that part, but... <laughs> from not most people i'm saying that i'm so i'm so feisty right now (laughs) most people i would like to think do not foster for profit but though but most of the kinds of people that we are talking about in this situation are the types of people who would yeah okay that let me let me be clear about what i'm saying i'm not actually jackson stop (laughs) um ada elaine brown uh unknown as to homicide or not, Ada was 39 when she was found dead on October. On why do I want it to be October for all of these? Ada was found dead on April 9th, 2001, in a hotel room. The coroner reported that the cause of her death was a subdural hemorrhage and complications of alcoholism. Um, the family, however, believes that she was assaulted by a assaulted and killed by a man that she knew, and no charges have ever been filed. Of course not. Uh, Leah Marie Faulkner, homicide. Leah went missing from her Prince George home on February 11th, 2002. Her body was found on March 6th, submerged under ice in the lake. The official cause of death was asphyxiation. According to the initial inquiry, her boyfriend choked her until she passed out. Then when she regained consciousness, she threw up and choked on her own vomit. She was, he was arrested on April 19th, 2002, charged with second degree murder. He pled to a lesser degree of manslaughter on June 10th, 2003, and he was sentenced to seven years plus time served and was released on, in October of 2009. Nicole, Nicole Hoer, uh, missing. Nicole was last seen hitchhiking at a gas station in Prince George on June 21st, 2002, speaking to a 30-ish year old Caucasian man in an orange car. Um, they investigated a man named Leland Switzer, but no official or further actions were taken. Of course not. Kayla Rose McKay. October. So- <laughs> I just want to say October. You really, you're just- really like missing Halloween. I, I really just want to say I didn't there's not even a date. It's- You're like, man, if it was November or if it was October right now, I could I could be thinking about Halloween. But right now as it is, it's November and I have to wait for another 11 months <laughs> to have Halloween. That's right right now. That's what I think is happening. <laughs> Kayla Rose McKay, homicide. 13-year-old Kayla's body was found on April 15th, 2004. Um, The police have stated that they are confident the McKay did not die of murder or suicide, but they weren't ruling out criminal involvement. We're confident that nothing bad happened. (laughs) But she's dead, so... Except for, you know... Yeah, she didn't kill herself and no one else killed her. She just whoopsied to dead at 13. She whoopsied to death. (laughs) Is that what you just said? She just whoopsie to dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, damn. Like, it's not the it's worst. It's not impossible, about, but it's not the likely. Worst, 
the worst thing about an episode like this is that I I pride myself on being hilarious. <laughs> and but it's real like, hard to be. Yeah, and I'm like, I want I want to so bad because it's such an uncomfortable topic. Like I I'm like, please God, can I just lighten the mood for like five seconds? Yeah. But this sucks, man. Don't worry, we're just about halfway through. <laughs> oh great. Um, Helena Jack, homicide. Helena was 71 years old when her badly beaten and burned body was found in the garage of her home near Highway 16 on July 29th, 2004. Evidence in the garage suggests or led to a man named Vincent Sam who was charged with who was charged with who was charged with murder on the 4th of September 2004. I have a typo that slipped me up because it just says charged with urder. <laughs> like, what is urder? You know what urder is. Um, he was later convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment for her death. Well, I mean, good. But god damn it. Barbara Ann Joseph, homicide. Barbara was found dead on September 5th, 2004 with her throat slashed. Her cousin Winchester Orlando Thomas was convicted of manslaughter in her death and was sentenced to 12 years in 2006. It was revealed in court that they had been at a party and an argument had broke out between the two, which resulted in Thomas choking her, cutting her throat, raping her, and then cutting her abdomen from the right side to her navel. The official cause of, asphyxia- the cause of death was asphyxiation from blood in the lungs. Just manslaughter. You know, he just raped his cousin. It's not... I, I was like, man, I would love to move to Canada until about an hour ago. But I mean, <laughs> appropriate sirens, stop. <laughs> um, I mean, you're also not a visibly indigenous woman, so. No, but I would, I'm the type of white person who would have to deal with these fucking mounty bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have to go fucking storm a capital <laughs> this is i will a not joke. storm a capital this is a, a joke, joke. <laughs> for legal purposes that was a joke <laughs> but i would do it for you folk i love you i hate what we've done to this fucking continent <laughs> um margaret newski missing 89 year old margaret was last seen hitchhiking in the afternoon of october 2nd of 2004 near highway 16 She was also suffering from dementia. Of course. Um, Melanie Brown, homicide. 31-year-old Melanie was found shot to death in a basement suite on December 8th, 2004. Mary Madeline George, missing. Mary was walking to a clinic in Prince George. She was last seen on July 24th, 2005. Tamara Chipman, missing. 22-year-old Tamara was last seen on October... Oh my god. On September 21st, 2005, hitchhiking on Highway 16. She was facing assault charges at the time of her disappearance. However, she hadn't touched her bank account since she went missing, and her father reported her missing in November 2005, and the Royal Mounted... The Mounted Police launched a joint search on November 15th, but she was never found. So there's some, like... You know, oh, she was running away from a rap, which, okay, fine, but, like, you wouldn't take your money out of your account? Right. Come on. I would. Yeah. Even <laughs> if it was just a couple hundred bucks. Even if it was just 50 bucks, 20 bucks. Like, I don't care. Yep. I don't want it just sitting there. That's a tank of that's, gas, you know? That's my money. That's some food. That's yeah. some burritos at the 7-Eleven. Uh, Candace Marie Kolmakoff, homicide. 
Candace was strangled on January 1st, 2006 by a man named Vernon Wilson. The two had been out drinking at a bar and returned to Candace's home and shared a kiss. When Candace turned away from it, Vernon lost it. Of course. Quote, at that point, I was overwhelmed with rage. I grabbed her by the throat, threw her on the bed, and started choking her. I hit her in the face. After Candace stopped struggling, I didn't know what to do. End quote. But that didn't stop him from doing fucked up shit after he thought about it for a little bit. Oh, yeah. He went outside, smoked some weed, raped her body, and then gathered up the bloody sheets and disposed of them. He purchased a plastic tote and put Candace's body in it and took it to an alley to try to burn her. But burning a hot, uh, burning a body is hard to do, as we've talked about on multiple episodes. Yes. Um, after he talked to his stepfather, Wilson, led by the police, uh, Wilson led the police to her body where he confessed to the murder. He was charged with manslaughter. Manslaughter. And Shocking. later, later sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 13 years. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No chance of parole for 13 years, yeah. but life in prison. Okay. Yeah. I was like, how do you have life in prison for 13 years? <laughs> he had a, they had a real <laughs> low life expectancy for him. It's like, it works 60% of the time, every time. <laughs> Ayla Katharina Sarek Auger, homicide. Aaliyah was found dead on February 10th, 2006, after she went missing on February 2nd. She had gone to the mall with her siblings and then gone to a friend's house for a sleepover. She was last seen walking towards her home around 1 a.m., getting into a black van where she was never seen again. (sighs) Stephanie Joy Donnelly, homicide. Uh, 16-year-old Stephanie was stabbed three times in the heart and her throat was slashed on November 23rd, 2006. Her father was influenced by a feeling of a divine force that was telling him to kill his wife. He was found not guilty by reason of mental disorder, and in February 2009, he won the chance to have unsupervised visits to the community up to 28 days in length, where he stabbed a friend and was held criminally responsible this time. (laughs) He is in a mental hospital as of April 2011. I was watching a video not too long ago about how many people like try to fake being crazy. Yeah to police during like interviews and stuff and like you'll see these guys in their interviews like rocking back and forth and stuff and then they this uh person in the video is like but let me show you what an actually like mentally incompetent person looks like and they just start showing this fucking psychopath who's like yeah i killed her oh no i was just curious to know what it felt like like totally stone cold had no yeah emotion at all and i was like yeah nope i believe this (laughs) Yeah. So, so I'm, it always, whenever they're, whenever they say like, you're not uh, mentally competent enough to be on trial or to be held responsible for this. I'm always a little shady. Like, are you faking it? Is this real? (laughs) Yeah. Beverly Warbrick missing. Beverly went missing from the 2100 block of Oak Street in Prince George in June 2007. And Mm. some of these are just that. Some of these just literally are just a sentence of this person went missing. We don't know anything else. Um, Bonnie Marie Joseph missing. Uh, Bonnie is a 32-year-old mother of five and was last seen on September 8th, 2007 by her cousin. She was hitchhiking on Highway 16 to Prince George where she had a court date to work on getting her children back. She had taken this, this task very seriously and was really close to having completed all the required 
court dates. No. Leading her family to believe that there was something more to her disappearance. She wouldn't have worked this hard just to have skipped town. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Brittany Geese, um, homicide. On October 7th, 2008, the police were called to a house in Prince George where Brittany Geese and Garrett McComb were found dead. Um, Reportedly, the deaths were gang-related. No other details. Reportedly. Uh, Jill Stacy Stachenko, um, homicide. 35-year-old Jill was found dead in October 2009. Uh, that's actually the month. Was it, was it really October? Yeah, in a gravel pit. Um, she died of multiple blows to the head and was a sex worker. Um, Cody Lebekadoff, Legibokoff was arrested in November on November 27th, 2010 and convicted of her murder in September 11th, 2014. He was also convicted of the murder and the deaths of Laureen Leslie, Cynthia Mass, and Natasha Montgomery. Uh, some of these are on the list. I don't know if all of them are. Okay. Emily Rose McLean, dead. 16-year-old Emily was found by a passerby on April 10th, 2010, partially submerged in the Prince Rupert Harbor. She was last seen among some less-than-trustworthy-looking people, and the preliminary findings of the autopsy indicate the cause of death was drowning. Natasha Lynn Montgomery, homicide. She was last heard from on August 26, 2010, when she called her parents to touch base with them. She was a sex worker, and her body was never actually found. However, Mm. DNA was discovered on serial killer Cody Lubitkadoff's clothes axe and throughout his apartment oh mm. (laughs) cynthia francis moss um homicide her body was found on october 9th by a member of the rcmp uh cynthia had been last seen on september 10th and was reported missing by friends and family on september 23rd when she failed to check in with them she died from blood force trauma and penetrating wounds to the chest she was also a sex worker and was the third victim of serial killer Cody Legabetkoff. <laughs> Just getting Cody worse at saying his last name. Cody piece of shit off. <laughs> uh, Linda Fredden, homicide. Linda was wheelchair bound and trapped in her home when it was set on fire on November 24th, 2010. Um, police believe that the crime may have been connected to gang violence. That makes me so sick. Mm-hmm. Like all of these are horrible. But that one hit different, mm-hmm. and I hate that. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think part of that is because I'm. I am such a uh, like. I think that's my fear of dying is like getting stuck in a fire. Yeah, because that's a that's slow, guys. That's not cool. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you kind of just want to like lay on the you know, floor like, and take deep breaths if you can't. There's no way to get out of it. Like, is there anything I can slam my head into multiple times to get this yeah. over with? Like, yeah. Uh, oh, that well, I mean, really... and even worse because, like, being wheelchair bound, there's wheelchair even bound a further limitation of what you could try to do to get out. Yep, you know, because like, even if you can get to a window, like, I don't know how wheelchair bound she is. Right, you know, um, I assume if she was home, al- like, living alone, she probably wasn't like a quadriplegic. Right, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. still, like, the amount of upper body strength it would take for you to get to a window get it get up high enough to open the window and then throw yourself out of it and then once you do that what crawl then what like yeah. hope hope you can crawl fast enough to get away from it yep Ugh. yeah i i definitely don't want to ever be caught in a fire 
Lauren, Lauren Don Leslie homicide. Lauren was 15 years old when she became the fourth victim of Cody Legabedgoff, whom she met online. <laughs> I said it's just getting worse. I'm not even trying anymore. Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, she was found in November 2010 on a remote logging road just off of Highway 27. The police pulled Lubakov's, uh over and he was in possession of Lauren's belongings and was just, you know, casually covered in Lauren's blood. Just cash. Yeah, no big deal. Chastity Charlie, homicide. Uh, she was discovered on January 26, 2011, following the report of an unconscious girl at the home. Her mother said that her face had been burned and half of her hair was gone and her phone was missing. In 2012, a 17-year-old boy that knew Chastity was arrested in connection to her death and charged with second-degree murder. Oh, he got second-degree murder? Yeah. Not manslaughter? Not manslaughter. I'm shocked. <laughs> um, Madison Maddie Geraldine Scott, missing. 21-year- or, sorry, 20-year-old Maddie was last seen on the morning of May 28, 2011 at Hogsback Lake with her friend Jordy. It appears that the two were at a party that involved camping, and Jordy left early because she was both drunk and had injured herself, and arrived back at the campsite, and when she got there, Maddie wasn't there. The tent door was open, and the bedding was pushed to one side. Jordy assumed that she had just missed her friend who had gone out to, you know, kayak or do whatever they were doing on this party and didn't really think anything of it. Um, Maddie's parents reported her missing after discovering her abandoned truck and flattened tent at the lake. A lot of valuable items were found around the truck, including unopened alcohol, gasoline, motorbike equipment, a camera, and a purse. Her phone and set of keys are missing, and while there is no sign of struggle, the police suspect foul play. <sighs> All right. Uh, Maria Rego, homicide. Early, on, early in the morning of October 9th, 2011, RCMP were called to a residence for a break and enter with assault. Once they arrived, they found a man and a woman who had been assaulted and needed immediate medical care. Um, Maria succumbed to her injuries and died four days later, and her husband survived. Um, 19-year-old Tyler Eli was convicted of second-degree murder on March 25th, 2015 in relation to her murder. An unknown woman, deceased... On November 11th, 2011, police and first responders were called to a road in Telqua, where a woman was reported found in the middle of the road. She had received life-threatening in injuries and later died in the hospital. Um, police considered that there may be a criminal nature to these injuries. A man was taken into custody, but no charges were ever filed. I just whoopsied these injuries. <laughs> there could be a criminal connection. I'm betting she was hit by a car being found in the middle of the road and that's not necessarily yeah. to say that there was criminal intent in that right you know but i've gotten really a... i've gotten really close to accidentally hitting someone who was coming out of bushes and didn't realize i was there and i didn't realize they were there right you know like it can happen but you know i definitely wouldn't hit and run i was gonna say but isn't that the crime in that case yeah. would be the leaving the scene yeah um april rose johnson homicide April was shot on December 20th, 2012 by her new fiancé, Kanye Penner. While visiting Penner's cousin to celebrate the engagement, as well as his cousin's birthday, a 22 caliber rifle, quote, kind of slipped, hit the counter, and went off, according oh, to Oh yeah, Penner. that's 
that's how guns work. Yeah. A ballistics ex- expert tested uh, testified during Penner's trial, confirming that the gun was not prone to discharging when dropped, and that they had tried a lot of different heights and emulating how Penner described everything went down, and they couldn't get the gun to go off accidentally. Because that's not how guns work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she had been... Like, you might be able to convince me, like, an old gun, like some old rickety, you know, not cared for gun, but... Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to ask AJ. He's my gun expert. <laughs> um, she had been shot in the upper left abdomen and her health declined rapidly. She died on December 21st. And in June 2015, Penner was charged with manslaughter with a firearm and careless use of a firearm. And his cousin was charged with careless storage of a firearm, careless use of a firearm, and unauthorized possession of a firearm. Do we have laws like that? No. There's no way yeah, we I do. Yeah, so. Um, Tara Lee Ann Williams, homicide, April 40, or, what the fuck, brain? April 40? April 40, uh, let me start that again. <laughs> Tara Lee Ann Williams, homicide, 40-year-old Tara's body was found along the Blaine Barefoot on January 13th, 2013. Police suspect foul play, but no suspects have ever been questioned. Destiny Ray Tom, homicide, Destiny was found outside of a home in the Nadla Wutan First Nation. She had been severely beaten. Garrett George was charged in February 2015 for second degree murder. Immaculate Mackie, Mary Basil, missing. Mackie was the mother of a five year old boy and had recently broken up with the father of the child. Her family said that she was in a she was a bit of a homebody and didn't have any known problems with drugs. She was at a party on June 13th, 2013, and on her walk home afterward, around midnight, she went missing. She was last seen leaving the party. Interviews had her in a white pickup truck with two men. One was her cousin Keith, and the other was a man named Victor, and they were heading toward a cabin on the Kuzche Reserve. Um, Keith and Victor, when interviewed, would explain that they had been drinking got into a car accident basically from what i understand they ran their car into a ditch or into a tree or something uh not into like a person or another car right she had left the car and headed out on her own to finish her walk to the cabin um mackie would normally call her sisters every day and her sister crystal became alarmed after she didn't receive a call for a few days mackie was reported missing on june 17th 2013 by crystal her family considers her disappearance completely out of character Polygraph tests were conducted on both of the men, and one police uh, and a police psychologist conducted an interview with them and mm-hmm. reported that there was nothing suspicious that they could see about these men. Mm-hmm. Um, several witnesses reported seeing Victor in Tachi at 10 a.m. on the day of Mackie's disappearance, walking down the road in clothes wet up to his chest. Yeah, nothing suspicious at all. Yeah, Mackie went missing an hour's drive away from Tachi, so it's unknown how he could have gotten to that place. It's unknown how he got from one place to another so quickly without a car, and right. it seems sus. That seems real sus. Um, Anita Florence Thorne, missing. Anita was reported missing on November 19th, 2014. She was last seen at 950 Victoria Street, at a super super safe gas station in a nearby Tim Hortons. Her car was found on November 20th, um, about 19 miles away from where she had last been seen. Her purse was left in the unlocked car, and it was in the open. 
and nothing seemed to have been taken. She is believed to have taken her keys, cigarettes, lighter, and cell phone with her. I mean, those are the things you take, right? I mean, I'd probably take my wallet. Nah. Um, Shirley Williams, homicide. Oh, this one's a weird one. Um, RCMP shot and killed Shirley and her son Jovan on April 21st, 2016. You're getting crazy face, but wait, like, it is pretty justified. This is a bonkers little case here. Um, they were called- Look, you, you say a police shot and I instantly go into, like- I know. I did the same thing and then I kept reading <laughs> Um, so they were called, the RCMP was called to a neighbor dispute involving a handgun. The police surrounded the home and attempted to make contact with the residents. One person con- exited the home, confronted the police, and then shots were fired. Another person came out and followed the same situation. RCMP stated both people died after being attended to by waiting paramedics. A report released in 2018 by a civilian watchdog indicated that the police used reasonable force to defend themselves. The report indicated that Mr. Williams leveled a rifle and threw a Molotov cocktail at the police while his mother leveled a shotgun at the officers. The firearms wow. were found beside the victims and there were remains of a charred Mar- Molotov cocktail nearby. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Fair. Like, so- <laughs> what are you supposed to do if someone's chucking a Molotov at you? yeah that's that's something uh p.s i'm sorry if everybody's hearing me say son of a bitch and oh my god and you know whatever uh my cat likes to sit on top of my computer tower because it's toasty and that's the third time she's jumped up there and like scared me that i thought she was gonna turn my computer off (laughs) so i'm leaning back into my awkward position again now she's sitting up there i want to feel safe and do this but yeah, she keeps, I keep putting things over the power button and she just jumps up and like throws them off. And I'm like, please don't turn it off. We're an hour and 30 minutes into this. I do not need to start over. Uh, so my bad. Roberta Robin Marie Sims, homicide. Uh, Robin was last seen by numerous witnesses on May 6, 2017. Uh, there's evidently reason to believe that her car is involved with the murder somehow and that's literally all i got oh wow that's real in depth yeah <laughs> they, they give out a lot of information huh um francis brown missing the 53 year old francis was last seen on october 14th 2017 while foraging for mushrooms rcmp suspended the wilderness wilderness search effort on october 21st 2017 Prior to su- suspending the efforts, though, they had 19 crews from around the province, along with RCMP and local volunteers, all searching for Francis. There was evidence that they found of a campfire, but rain and snow hindered the search effort. Mm. Francis was raised by a trapper and was experienced in an experienced back- backcountry explorer who spent decades searching for mushrooms in difficult terrain. She had also prepared for the expedition with adequate clothing and had a lighter on her person. So she knew what she was doing. It's a question of maybe weather got to her, um, you know, slipped and fell, any yeah, kind of... like any number of accidents yeah. could have taken place, which sucks. Yeah. Um, Shauna Lee I wanna, Sam... I want to be an outdoorsy person. I just don't have it in me. <laughs> Shauna Lee Sam, homicide. RCMP was called to 
Yakuche Reserve on June 21st, 2018, around 2 a.m., and were told, uh, they were told that there was an injured woman. When they arrived, they found Shauna dead of a gunshot wound. It's definitely injured. That's an injury. <laughs> um, Martha Joseph was charged with manslaughter on January 11th, 2001, in relation to her death. Martha? Martha. A lady. Chantel Catherine Simpson, deceased. Uh, Chantel was last seen on, alive on July. Chantel was last seen alive on July fourth, two thousand eighteen, and her abandoned car was located the next day near a gravel pit. Her body was spotted in the Skeena River and identified by her tattoos. The cause of her death is not yet public knowledge. It's two thousand eighteen, so it's probably still an active case. Yeah, it's probably still closed, which is good, but yeah. also um, Jessica Patrick. Balkzer, um, homicide. Jessica was last seen at a McDonald's on August thirty first, two thousand eighteen, and was reporting missing. Reported missing on September third. RCMP released the missing person on the news on September sixth, and her death was announced on September sixteenth after human remains were found. Cynthia Martin missing. Cynthia was last seen on December 23rd, 2018, and her family and friends considered the disappearance to be out of character for her, though there's nothing to indicate foul play. The vehicle she was last seen driving was found locked near a bridge near Hazleton. An extensive search was conducted, including helicopter assistance, but no trace of Cynthia was found. Mm. Laureen Campbell Fabian, missing. 69-year-old Laureen left home on foot to walk on September 28th, 2019. She is missing from the Buck Flats area and an extensive search including canine units, a plane, and a helicopter were all conducted, but there's no trace of Lorene that's been found. She is 5 foot 4 inches, 143 pounds, brown hair and brown eyes. The police do not suspect foul play, uh, considering the possibility that she left town. I don't know a 69-year-old that would just be like, peace, I'm out, you know, but maybe. Yeah. And did, did she have any, like, uh, dementia sy- symptoms or anything like that? Nothing that was listed, at least. Mm. Um, Joy Morris, homicide. On March 9th, 2020, RCMP were called 262-year-old Joy's home for a wellness check where they found her deceased. On April 10th, Justin Johnston was arrested for second-degree murder, and he was found not criminally responsible, but will remain indefinitely confined to a psychiatric hospital. Ah, one of those. Yeah. Unknown. Deceased. RCMP pulled over a truck in on May 3rd, 2020, and happened upon a dead woman in the backseat of the vehicle. They arrested the two occupants, obviously. Um, RCMP suggested that the stated that the death was suspicious, but further details have not yet been provided. Again, keep in mind this is 2020, so um, Canada tends to keep their cases pretty well confined um, until the case is, you know, actually left trial. Uh, Jesse May Hayward Lines homicide. On July 3rd, 2020, a call was made to an emergency services of a woman who had been stabbed. They transported Jessie to a hospital where she died soon after. On September 10th, 2021, uh, Charlene Jane Alexander was charged with first-degree murder in the death of Jessie. Uh, Crystal Haynes Chamber, homicide. Her remains were found on August 1st, 2020, near Highway 16. And Kristen Marion West, homicide. Family members reported her missing some time before they found her in her apartment deceased. 
She had reported on social media that she had been harassed by a stalker and RCMP did not take it seriously or provide any protection. Dennis Dennis Daniel Cladow was arrested shortly after the discovery of her body and charged for second degree murder. And those are all the victims that were listed as Epona cases or cases provided by indigenous resources that I could find in relation to this one stretch of highway in Canada. Um, so you might remember if you stuck all the way through this, that at the very beginning of the episode, I talked about how um, poverty was the main yeah. culprit in getting all of these women onto the streets, having to or feeling like they had to hitchhike or walk or do different things like that as far as getting around. Um, and that for some reason, because this area is rural, it's basically the way I understand it is that the high the, the highway is just a long stretch of kind of rural road with some small communities off of that highway. And so everything is fairly distant from one another. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in 2017, the governments in the area decided that maybe if so many women were getting murdered or going missing because they were hitchhiking or walking on a dark rural road, uh, that maybe they should finally get a public transit system set up for the area. So they finally did that in 2017, you know. Well, they did it. (laughs) They finally did it. I'm really proud of them. And that's why I think you see, like, a slight decrease in in crimes from 2017 to, you know, to now. Um, And, man, I hope that some of these people, like, I hope... Man, if you see something or you hear something or, you know, an uncle or a friend or something makes some weird comment that just doesn't set with you right, talk to somebody about it. Reach out to one of these groups or like a a victim's advocacy group Mm -hmm. or something and talk to them and be like, I don't know if this is anything, but it might be something. Worst case scenario, it's not anything. Best case scenario, you've given information that can help move a case forward. Yep. And, and get some closure for these people and and the victims and their families. Yeah, and then you also, just as a, a benefit to you giving that information, you don't have to sit and wonder for the rest of your life, yep. was that information something that I should have given someone? Yeah, if my family's listening, I will sell you up the fucking river. <laughs> yeah, I don't there, know how. There's something, like, I've got a narc level, I feel like, <laughs> but, like, murder is definitely one of those things. Like, no, you think murder is one of yours? <laughs> Like, like the point that you're actually hurting other people is when I'm going to go to the police. Yeah. The the thing is, like, I think about it like this. No, no offense to you. I know you you can't get in on this wonderful experience that I have of being a white person with racist family. If if somebody told me that one of my cousins or somebody did something like this, I'd be like, no, that checks out. I mean, I have a cousin like that. I don't have... A couple cousins like that. I honestly don't have any idea how I turned out the way I did, given the situation I was in. <laughs> it's all me, baby. It's it's all Roya. <laughs> it was Roya and Neopets made me gay and <laughs> yeah. That was Neopets uh, Roya and Neopets and and the movie Dancing with Wolves. <laughs> because yo, my white guilt after I watched that movie for the first time, I was sitting sobbing, going, "This isn't right." ever since man but anyway been on that ally train (laughs) that's my like hour and 45 minute or whatever (laughs) long episode i don't 
we're at a minute or an hour and 40 now i think you'll be okay but uh yeah there's a lot of dead air though because i'm just speechless i don't know yeah what to say to that bullshit so um i hope that those families get some closure or peace um you know sometimes even when like i was reading uh god i can't remember the name of it now the the book that the lady wrote because she was investigating the golden oh i'll be i'll be gone in the dark yes i'll be gone in the dark so i've been reading that and like to think that decades later people were finally getting closure it's like even if the direct family is not involved especially with these kinds of cases where there's intergenerational trauma that is already involved like bringing somebody closure for their lost family even if they didn't have that direct contact can still be huge well and we're talking about cases that are only you know 30 and 40 years old like i get golden states the same way but like you know there's a possibility that some especially these younger victims that their parents are still alive you know and and like you're always gonna miss your kids you're always gonna want to know what happened or who hurt them or anything like that so i mean yeah it's it's a sense of of peace and relief that i hope that these the families of the victims and families of the missing people can get some some level of of peace and finality to you know what happened because it's it's easier to move on if you know what happened exactly it might not be he- easier initially but it will make it easier to continue to move on um and if you haven't watched it speaking of um all be gone in the dark I want to say it's on HBO. They did a docu-series about her writing the book. Oh, wow. And it's really good. They talked to like okay. people that she interacted with in writing it, and Patton Oswalt is narrating it, basically, and talks about like how dedicated she was. Like It got me fucking teared up, because he talks yeah. about like how dedicated she was to finishing the book and how important it was to him that he makes sure that the book did get finished and get published yeah. and everything um, after her passing. Yeah. I mean, you can tell, like, reading it, how it it probably was eating her up yeah. when she was writing it. You're like, whoa. But anyway, thank you uh, for hanging out with, with us today while we covered more sad shit. Roya edition, as promised. Um, we hope that you will reach out to us with your stories and your questions and your uh, feedback. Just send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com if you are sending a story. We ask that you put listener story in the subject line so that we can sort through those more easily. Um, if you have any stories about this or if you know anything about this, um, maybe don't come to us first. Yeah. I will um, do some research and find some um, victim advocacy groups and stuff in Canada where you can send an email or reach out to them and get the information through the proper channels. And like I said before, if you're unsure, I'm sure that if you reach out to your your own Native American group in your town, because most towns have them, even if you're not completely aware of them, um, that they would be able to get that information to the proper tribe to get it in the right hands um yep or at least point you in the right direction yeah you can also find us on instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast or our personal accounts roya rampage and calamity casey where we post the weird shit in our personal lives you can find us on twitter at underscore strange unusual at calamity casey and at roya rampage 
We're on Facebook. Just search for the Strange and Unusual podcast. If you'd like, you can join us over on patreon.com slash strange unusual. We completely understand right now with everything going on in the world. There's like a new strain of COVID that just got discovered and shit's still bad, y'all. So if you're unable to support us through Patreon right now, we totally understand. Um, we just appreciate it if you like, share, subscribe, rate, review, interact with us on social media, um, anything like that helps us out a lot. And it gives us a nice little ego boost to uh, keep doing this. <laughs> Because it's not easy to have to read all of this sad stuff all the time either. And we try yeah. to put on a, you know, a bright face and, and laugh about it a little bit to make it a little more palatable. But, you know, we just went over potentially 40 dead people in an hour and a half. Um, so And w- we being you, because I just sat here and listened to it. Well, I so mean, I can't imagine having the, to the spend as much time last week. Yeah. <laughs> like... But spending as much time personally, like having or like having to sift through personal uh, stories and things like that, I know that it's hard. Yeah. Um, But like I said, we totally understand, Um, especially, you know, this month in November, since we're we're recording this still in November, the intention was to have these out in November. But both of our cases ended up being way too long, obviously, um, to fit into one episode. So if you would like and you can donate we would ask that you donate to a indigenous um charity or an organization to help um with some of this strain and weight and a victim advocacy group or someone um rather than supporting us yeah Um, i mean narf is a good one uh the navajo water project is out there just trying to make things better and easier uh for indigenous peoples to live period um but like raya said we will definitely be able to look into some advocacy things to get on the show notes mm-hmm. but anyway next week's mormons yeah that'll be hilarious bye though. <laughs> bye